When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, tonight we're debating capitalism versus communism, and we are starting right now. With T-Jump's opening statement in defense of capitalism, T-Jump, the floor is all yours. Yeah, so uh, communism is shit. My opponent and all communist debaters face an impossible task in a debate because economic and political systems are kind of like technologies. If one works better, you don't need to debate it. It You just, you don't need papers. You don't need cherry pick examples of successful companies. If it works, you can just start a company and make millions to proving it's successful and inspire others to follow in your footsteps. If it works for most people, it will take over because it's more successful. Someone debating economic systems is like uh, whoever looking at a Boeing 747 and someone saying, I can do it better. Well, I mean, okay, then if you can do it better, stop spending your time debating and go do it. But for some reason, no communist or socialist debaters are going to uh, go out and start companies based on their ideas. Uh, I wonder why that is. Is it because it's hard? Because most fail? If communism and socialism are so great, then go out and start socialist and communist companies and communities so and show that they are successful and inspire people to make more until it grows to be a serious competitor to capitalist economies. This is the only way for communists and socialists or any economic debate to be won. Go out and do it and make enough success to compete with the current biggest leader. Uh, in my camp on the capitalist side, I have hundreds of thousands of successful capitalist businesses supporting billions of people, improving everyone's quality of life more than any other system ever in human history. The communist socialists, and I'm adding those two together, they are different things, but I'm gonna give them as best evidence I possibly can by adding them together. And if you do, you have a few thousand or so successful communist businesses, socialist communist businesses. And to be fair, many of them are more successful than some capitalist companies. But even so, like every brain squirrel can find a nut once in a while. Any system can cherry pick a few successful examples in that system, but that's not evidence it's a better system. To have evidence of a better system, you need to show that on average, any random person can choose to go with your system and have a higher rate of success than the other systems. In order to do that, you need to go out and start your own companies or societies or communities and show that the success rate of this kind of system is higher than the success rate of the competing system. That's why in, in my worldview, I believe I, my knowledge of economics gives me the ability to start a company. And so I'm starting an atheist church with the goal of lowering the cost of living as much as possible by buying apartment buildings and lowering rent because I believe my economic system can work and can make a profit. But we don't see this in the communist socialist camp. They just like talking about it. So if they really think that their system can work, you can go out, do it, make a system that works. Um, again, cherry picked examples of some successful companies or papers do nothing. 
the proof is in the proverbial pudding. We can have lots and lots of examples of papers of successful capitalist countries, but we don't really need them because we can just look around us. The effect, the positive effect of capitalism can be seen in essentially every country in the world. It has increased the, the, the quality of life for everyone throughout every society, pretty much with a few exceptions of the Aborigines who uh, don't have any technology. And it's done this consistently. It is the most successful system that we have in human history. And, but the reason we, don't, we can't expect any communists or socialists to actually start their own companies is because there is a fundamental issue with communism socialism, which is the lack of the most important resource for any economy, confidence. Confidence is the ability to get the majority of the populace to trust in the system and play the economic games. Most laws and economic policies have little to no direct impact. What they accomplish is indirect in that they cause people to act differently through the law, which was never going to be able to force them to. The presence of the law encourages people to choose to act differently without it realistically being able to be enforced. As an example, you can think of like tax evasion. Some people think that most tax evasion, you need like some offshore account and that only rich people can take advantage of it. But in reality, anyone can evade taxes. A lot of cash transactions can't be traced by the government. So most people can just not report any cash-based funds and evade taxes pretty easily, which is why you were required to do your own taxes because most people report more and pay more in taxes than the government knows about. So if they just calculated it for you and sent you a bill, they would make less money. So the, the honest people end up paying more because they actually report their money. It's, it's quite an unfair system. But in reality, the IRS can't really do much about it. Even if they had adequate funding, which they don't, they would never be able to actually account for most people's tax evasion. And they wouldn't be able, they'd only be able to catch the minority of people who are committing the crime. Most political and economic systems are like this. It's mostly smoke and mirrors to encourage people to act in a way which is beneficial without actually having the ability to enforce the policies directly, much like running a red light. How many people who run red lights are actually ticketed, like 0.001%? How many times do you think you could run a red light without being caught? Probably a lot. You probably have. But the presence of stoplights, the law, and the minority of people who are ticketed for breaking it encourages enough people to obey the law to create a safe and stable driving experience for the majority of people. Most political and economic policies are like this, smoke and mirrors. Why do we have money? confidence that someone can take your cash and trade it for an equal thing. Why is religion so popular? Because it provides people with confidence. Why do people, why does advertising, which is just pretty and has absolutely nothing to do with the product, work so well? Confidence. Why do politicians who are completely useless idiots and will do nothing get the majority of votes? They inspire confidence. The fundamental problem with communism is that it doesn't create or provide this confidence nearly as much as capitalism. For example, imagine a communist poker game where, uh, where you leave the game with as much money as you entered. How many people are going to play this game? Nobody. Imagine a communist lottery where if everyone buys a ticket, they win a dollar back. So buy a ticket for a dollar, get a dollar back. How many people would pay the lottery? Nobody. The reason people play the lottery and poker is because they want to win big and take everyone else's money. That's why poker and lotteries are billion-dollar industries. Of course, there are extreme examples of communists that don't usually advocate for like 100% equity in everything. So these are extreme examples. But this kind of confidence that results, this is the kind of confidence or the lack of confidence that results from communists, like, like playing a poker game where you walk away with exactly as much as you walked in. This is why people prefer companies that are capitalist because you have a chance to win big. People are inspired by these win big opportunities. And the one of the and the ones with the biggest possible wins are the ones that get the most traffic, even though they have the lowest win rate. 
like the lottery that's the super powerball with the 22 million dollar win rate or prize gets a lot more tickets sold than the one that's like a hundred dollars or a million dollars this is confidence confidence is the fact that people are stupid by design from evolution we have thousands of fallacies biases misconceptions illusions delusions and each of these drive the way we think and how we make decisions. Religion, lotteries, capitalism, people will happily follow stupid ideas and completely reject objectively better rational decisions en masse. In order to make successful political economic systems, you need to accommodate these stupid biases ingrained in human form from evolution. And socialism and communism don't do that. For example, imagine every casino was a communist casino in the world. And one day somebody decided to build one capitalist casino. What's going to happen? everyone is going to start flooding into the capitalist casino and losing all of their money with a few big winners. And those few big winners will act as inspirational stories for everyone else, causing people to be motivated to go to that casino because they feel like that could be me. At the same time, the casino is going to start making mad profits and be able to pay their employees better wages than the communist casinos. And then the second place, third place, fourth place prizes are going to begin to increase because you have excess money until even a minor win at the capitalist casino is going to put you ahead of the major winners of the communist casinos. And this capitalist casino is going to continue to grow at an exponential rate until there are more winners in that than all other communist casinos combined. Now, there, there will also be a significant more losers in the capitalist casino because it's not a fair system, but the employees will be paid more, everyone has a higher standard of living, and there is an evolutionary reason for why this is the case. In order to innovate and grow, you need to fail many, many times in order to resolve to discover the new successful thing. Most things end up failing, like Thomas Edison's 2,000 ways to not make a light bulb, and he needed one way for it to work. There's, this is the evolutionary purpose of men and why they have such a much a larger spectrum of intelligence of more smart and more stupid people, because the evolutionary design to be expendable and try a bunch of random crap, which mostly kills them, but then there is that one lucky guy who gets some huge discovery pushing humanity forward. This is was the most successful evolutionary pattern throughout human history, which caused us to have this ingrained fallacy of go for the big win, even if the chances are stupid low, because it was so successful evolutionarily. The golden idol of world capitalism is a statue of liberty that inspires and draws people in, even if they are more likely to fail, which consequently builds the economy, innovation, and growth, which communism can't compete with. Because capitalism plays to our basic human desires and instincts, which inspires confidence, this is why communism is doomed to fail. When given the option between going for the big win or a mediocre life, people are going to go for the big win. And because of this, more money and more resources will go to the capitalist government, allowing it to provide better jobs, better standard of living, more innovation, more technology, and everything people want in a society. Is capitalism immoral? Yes, but it works and produces better standards of living. You just look at the Amenities of poor households today, this was from 2005, 92% have a microwave, 81% have an air conditioning, 75% have a car, 70% have a VCR, 64% have a DVD player, and you can just go on and on and on. The standard of living today due to capitalism has been significantly increased, even though it is in unfair and immoral and um, inequity between the amount of money people have, the standard of life today is significantly better thanks to capitalism. So the question is, is would you rather be in a society with slavery where most of the slaves have TVs and air conditioners, or would you rather be in a society where everyone is equally starving? I choose the TV and the compulsory employment. I will conclude there. 
You got it. Thank you very much, Tom Jump, for that opening statement. And want to let you know, folks, if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. And we hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you're from. Thrilled to have you here. And with that, we're going to kick it over to Infrared, who, by the way, I want to give serious credit to. We are so thankful Infrared pushed through it. He got everything to work. And so we really do appreciate that, Infrared, that you're here tonight, even though it's been you pushed through it and... The floor is all yours. Can you hear me? Yes. So I agree to an extent that any debate as to the question of communism um, is already off the bat going to be misleading. There can't really be a debate about communism, but that's not because uh, some obligation is... uh, imposed upon communists to go and prove it instead of debating it. Rather, to even debate this question of communism, one has already conceded the terms uh, to the communists that there is a common social sphere in which we expect the minimum of adequately providing for people's standard of living, um, attending to their needs, attending to their wants. In other words, treating it as a system that can be swapped out for other systems in order to fulfill more or less the same goal, which is to lead to more or less the common prosperity of a given people. So when one treats communism as if it's just a system that can be swapped out with another system called capitalism and another system, this very way of politicizing the economy toward the fulfillment of common and social ends is already, in a sense, inevitably going to be a communist paradigm. We have to remember that capitalism did not arise as a system to fulfill a specific type of ends, but as a kind of spontaneous amalgamation of different enterprises who are pursuing the very uh, selfish ends of just acquiring profit. And by selfish, I don't mean in the sense of the fulfillment of individual uh, interests. I mean selfish in the sense of the mere propagation of money for money's own sake. Through past the 19th century, this specific type of economic order, if you can even call it that, I would call it an economic disorder, fundamentally collapsed in the 1929 stock market crash. And afterwards, capitalism has been maintained and it's been on its lifeline because the government has treated the economy as a facet of politics. And politics, we should remember, doesn't just involve Um, governing people and ruling over people by force, but also ensuring that the material premises of being able to govern are attended to, in this case, the economy. After the stock market, uh, sorry, after the global collapse of capitalism in 1929, various uh, capitalist governments, which were under the control of the ruling financial and industrial oligarchies, found it necessary to fix the economy, satisfy the population, or risk being overthrown in a violent revolution. So already, socialism, in a sense, has already prevailed and won as the dominant mode of production at the most essential and fundamental level. Our political superstructure and our ideology has not awakened to this fact, but what has driven our economy since then is not some kind of spontaneous amalgamation of competitive markets and different enterprises that are arising spontaneously and organically, but a heavy-handed form of state intervention in the economy, together with um, 
corporations, which are fundamentally have become an arm of some kind of central state planning in order to ensure ensure that the economy uh, can maintain its uh, its vitality and can survive. Now, this view of communism as merely a system and different level, a different form of social organization at the level of the factory floor or even at the level of a mere community as compared to so-called capitalism uh, is very convenient for people who want to create vacuums with which we, we can test theories and, and systems, right? Um, but we have to take into account that our very subjective positiveness before these kinds of vacuums can't be taken for granted. The very idea of being this social engineer elevated over all of social uh, reality and economic reality with which we can just experimentally play and insert and uh, remove specific types of systems within vacuum-sealed uh, contexts, this very type of subject is part of a community and is part of themselves, part of a society. Hence, why Marx and Engels would insist that the utopian forms of experimentation, which would fulfill the uh, the standard of uh, success or failure offered by uh, my opponent, they critique these utopian communities not because they weren't successful. Actually, it's interesting because in the Americas, the utopian socialist communities were so successful that they did, you know, spread like. Um, what is it? Spread like mushrooms. They were emulated and replicated because they proved to be so successful, even in competing on the capitalist market. But Marx and Engels critiqued them because they did not actually address the economy at the most fundamental level of our common sociality, which is mediated through the state. The means of production can't be isolated in some kind of vacuum. The means of production are, fund are the fundamental means by which a given society reproduces its existence. And in the age of capitalism, this is necessarily global in scale. But as far as politics is concerned, it's national in scale, confined to the sphere of the state. But the more fundamental point here that uh, I'm trying to make is that this is why communism and socialism is inexorably political. It is tied to the fundamental transformation of society at the level of the state. It's not reducible, obviously, to the state and the state's interventions in the economy. But it in order for it to be uh, sufficiently uh, the commons that's in question or our common social sphere, the only thing that unites us at this level is the state. So to treat communism as just some specific form of experimental social organization is beyond the point. Under a communist society, there may exist various different forms of like social engineering experiments of how to organize people into different um, systems. Actually, China is a famous example of a country that did experiment with different forms of social organization, as did the Soviet Union in its early days in the 1920s. It's not this which defines a country or an economy as communist, it's the government's relationship to the economy, uh, specifically in the form of a fundamental ownership of the means of production. And in China, this takes the form of land, right, which is the most fundamental means of production, um, thereby ensuing that the means of production are to be used to fulfill expressly social ends and social um, 
social purposes. In other words, the economy is rigged for the people. Now, the specifics of how that system is going to work can vary. Obviously, China is a radically different type of economy than the Soviet Union and the states in the 20th century. But that's also because they belong to different historical periods. In 20th century communism, the reason why the economy and um, the organization of the economy was so heavily tied to the law, as my opponent was talking about, wasn't because this was the kind of final form of communism, but because these were agrarian countries that required the baseline necessity of creating a a primary uh, level of industrialization. And one, moreover, that is that was independent from the West and therefore was unable to tap in to the inequalities and the concentration of capital that countries can otherwise take advantage of it and kind of exploit in order to build up their own means of production. So it was required almost from scratch and from ground zero to separate the vast majority of the peasantry that resided in these communist states from their original means of production in order to undergo a process of rapid industrialization, thereby modernizing the economy and providing the people a baseline and primary standard of living. Now, before you can go compete on markets and do all the things this gentleman is talking about, you need to kind of have the baseline of medicine and you know, ability to kind of have a base standard of living, you know, clothe yourself, feed yourself, do all these kinds of things. And it was a turbulent and rocky road, but more or less the communist states were far more successful in being able to do this uh, as far as the, the, the relevant countries were concerned that are comparable to them. Um, then the capitalist ones, one only needs to take the example of China as opposed to India throughout the 20th century. There's not even a competition or, or a comparison. And it's true that the, if the communist movement is going to be successful, it in a sense does just have to happen. And Marx famously recalled that communism is not an ideal with which we want to conform society, but the real movement that sublates or transcends the present state of things. And that's precisely what communism is. It's a real movement that is, in a sense, already set in motion. And is his victory is, in a sense, historically inevitable. It's just that politics is also the decisive site with which this communist transformation is going to take place. It's not just it's not specifically going to be different forms of organization for different enterprises to start up businesses. It's going to be a movement that is social in scale and addresses the real commons of a given society. Specifically in the United States, we are witnessing a transition into a completely different um, type of economy. The forces of production have transformed so fundamentally that millions and sorry, tens of millions of people are at risk of losing their jobs and their livelihoods. Um, my view is that communists are the best equipped in being able to address this common social crisis as it, they did in the transition from feudalism to capitalism. Now, one last quick thing is this stuff about casinos. I didn't really get to everything else. That's not specifically because of the dream of the reward. It has something to do with the relationship between systems and their contingency, right? Systems, for example, are produced in the midst of chaos, and then there lies a certain complacency when one just relegates back to norms and systems and, and so on and so on. 
but there is room for for communists to re, uh, appreciate the reality of uh, the creative power of chaos. I mean, Marx himself talked about this. China does this far better than the United States, which is a very bureaucratic country with a lot of red tape. And China undergoes regularly structural reforms, which do risk systems that are already in place uh, in the midst of chaos. Now, I wanted to talk also about this issue of trust and confidence, its relationship to the norms of civil society and so on in communist states. I don't think I'll have enough time, but we might be able to get into it uh, afterwards. So that there you go. You got it. Thank you very much for that opening statement. Infrared. And want to let you know, folks, hey, if you have not heard, if you have been living in a cave on Mars with your fingers and your ears, we are absolutely thrilled for the first ever modern day debate, Debate Con, coming up in one month from today. And you can see at the bottom right of your screen some of the events that we are hosting there in person. And I've got to tell you, not only that, but both T-Jump and Infrared have been invited and have accepted their invites. It is going to be amazing. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button for those juicy debates as those will be uploaded to the channel. With that, thank you very much, gentlemen. The floor is all yours for open conversation. Yeah, I got a question. Let's see. Unmute myself. Um, he mentioned that you can't debate communism because if you debate communism, you've already conceded to communist terminology. Uh, it seems like he's defining communism as like any kind of government designed to help people. Is that right? Uh, it's more so to do with treating the economy as a common political site of uh, common prosperity and welfare and so on, which the government in some capacity ensures, fulfills uh, some manner of social ends. So this is not so much the essence of communism uh, as it is something that was not a feature of 19th century classical uh, liberal capitalism. So any government which recognizes the economy impacts people's lives is communist? No, a government which treats the economy as a facet of politics actively it doesn't just recognize the economy needs should help people but it ensures the economy does so so it sounds like what you're saying is that any government who recognizes that if they manage the economy that that can have impacts on people's lives make it better or worse is communist and and that they do this they treat the they have a, the macro economy as a political category uh and a category of uh, political planning, yes. So as far as I know, literally every government has always done that throughout the history of time. Do you have like a, a reference of any kind of academic economist book that gives this definition? Because as far as I know, like, yeah, all sure. of them do this. With, with the emergence of 19th century liberal capitalism, um, it is true that beforehand, the, for example, England had laws that, you know, Specifically in the form, and this was in the form of the ownership of land and the agrarian economy, in order to kind of, you know, ensure some level of uh, social reality to the economy. But with the outgrowth of capitalism, and specifically 19th century industrial capitalism, you had a fundamental social crisis and an asocial uh, system that was arising, which had no regard for people's uh livelihoods it had no regard for any type of common prosperity and it it did not proceed along um this precedent path 
I have no idea what you're talking about. As far as I know, yeah, what, what history, I'm talking about, if you have a, if well, you have second, a minimal level of education, right, is what I'm talking about is the basic reality of proletarianization, where people no, 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 are up no, I mean, from different their question, land different question. and so, delivered into cities, right, with absolutely no would you, would you mind letting me finish the question first before interrupting? Um, Go ahead, finish it. You, you said that in the, like, I think 19th century was the first time that government was starting to be formed that just didn't care about anybody's economic status or something like that? No, it's the first time an economy started to arise that completely uh, had no, that was not uh, somehow integrated into the level of the government or their policy. So it's that the economy, it's that the forces of production outpaced the relations of production in Marxist terms. So as far as I know, throughout all of history, that's always been the case. Throughout every economy, the economy has always been, in some case, independent and in some case, dependent on the government. Um, in the 16th century, in the 15th century, the 14th century, we can go through literally any kind of society ever. And there's always been facets that are controlled. Well, capitalism has been an outlier in the history of humanity. Well, well, my question here is that it seems to be the case that you've simply defined any government that interferes with economies as communism, and that that doesn't seem to. No, I it. haven't. Uh, a commun communism only arises to face the unprecedented challenge capitalism has given to humanity. Now, governments may have appeared to you know directly interfere in the economy for purposes of social ends. Retrospectively, we can see that, but it was not uh, explicit. There was no notion of a just abstract common sociality. It's always took the form of some kind of common religious or, you know, uh, monarchical and so on and so on or dynastic type of community. It was never about, for example, the commons in the abstract. And what makes communism different from these previous modes of production, whether the Asiatic mode of production or feudalism and so on and so on or slave societies, is that communism inherits from capitalism the constant revolutionizing of the forces of production. So communism integrates this type of chaotic uplifting and uprooting of traditional ways of life um, in the economic ways of life, I should say. Culture is a different story. But these economic ways of life, uh, so-called the progress of science, this is another word for that, right? So that's what makes... What, another word different. for what? But if, you are, if, you're, if you're basically saying that are you implying that in a way communism does return to the norm of humanity for most of its history? I would say absolutely. And Marx actually said as, as, as much. I mean, when Marx talked about the way in which capitalism through the land enclosures uh, up, uprooted the peasants from their traditional ways of life and their traditional common social bonds and this radical alienation that was produced by capitalism, he was recognizing that capitalism did entail a fundamental loss of a otherwise implicit sense of community, belonging, and, and sociality. Marx rejected the reactionary socialists, and that was a thing, the feudal socialists, the reactionary socialists, who merely wanted to turn back the wheels of time and return to the previous state of affairs. Marx said, no, something has been irreversibly changed. But for him, communism um, itself was going to outmode capitalism in the same way capitalism did the previous modes of production. Okay, so I have no idea anything you just said. So, so Mike, the first thing you brought up in your opening statement was is that you can't debate communism because if you debate communism, you're already agreeing to the definitions of the communists. And the definition no, no, that you are you are 
you are conceding the terms of debate. The terms? What do you mean? The term of debate being what system is better equipped to fulfill uh, the common social ends of a society, right? I mean, you're not really coming at this by saying, oh, a, you know, a communist society simply is impossible and that we have to make do with this this anarchy of production that is capitalism. You're saying capitalism is a better system. It's a better system to improve our common livelihoods and ensure some kind of common prosperity. Well, right. that's not a capitalist intention, right? A capital, there's no, a capitalist merely wants to make money for money's own sake. So you're basically saying capitalism accidentally fulfills all of the ends that the socialists and communists wanted in the past. Now, you can go with that argument. Um, it would, for me, be quite easy to dispel and, and dispatch. But Sure, let's uh, go with that argument. So, so my You can't really say you don't know what I mean. Well, I, I didn't understand the words that you said. So, But let's go with that argument. So let's say that capitalism achieves more of the life standards that communism wants than communism does. I believe that is accurately the case. Why would you disagree? Yeah. I would disagree because if the if the so-called capitalist system is a form of the anarchy of production, then this specific outcome that you're talking about, which was some level of commonwealth and common prosperity, is an accidental result. Science begins when instead of relying upon accidents and uh, things that are just like a, a byproduct that's not explicitly for the goal, science begins when we distill the essence of how things work and apply them. And in that case, one is entering into communism. So all it takes is a financial crisis like 2008 or some meaningless contingency to completely separate this cause from the outcome, right? The purpose no. of capitalism is not to ensure people's living standards and common prosperity. So things happen in capitalism, which lead to people losing those things. And capitalism can still survive because capitalism's survivability doesn't depend on fulfilling common and social ends. It survives on the basis of producing profit for profit's own sake. So yeah, it seems like your argument is, is that the purpose of capitalism is not to improve lives. It only does it accidentally. Therefore, capitalism yes. isn't as good. Is that about right? Sorry, what was the last part? Therefore, capitalism isn't as good. Something like that. It's not just that it's not as good. It's that the, the reasoning you're giving for why capitalism is superior is not itself inherent in capitalism. It's just an accidental byproduct. Okay, so so... If I happen to accidentally save a billion lives, is that better than deliberately saving 10 lives? Well, let's put it this way. Let's say you accidentally saved 10 billion lives while you were on your way to the store to uh, to go get a banana, something stupid like that, right? Sure. Then science begins when, in order to continue to save people's lives, you distill the essence of how it is you've saved those lives. Because you can really go to the store and get a banana without saving anyone's lives. You could still fulfill the goal of getting what you wanted from the store without doing that. And just sure. in the same way, you can you can pursue profit for profit's own sake and make that be the driving force of your economy, which it hasn't been, by the way, in Western countries since 2008. Um, you can make that or you can at least uh, accept that as the driving force of the economy, but that won't ensure that 
in the face of economic crisis and transformations in the forces of production, like we're witnessing right now, that it's going to lead in, uh, to the common prosperity and the well-being of the people. Sure. So I think I understand your argument here is that um, capitalism does happen to have a better outcome, but that outcome isn't because of capitalism itself. And so well, I haven't conceded that. I am not actually willing. I'm not willing to concede capitalism has a better outcome. I'm just saying I can accept that there are cases in which the capitalist mode of production has increased the overall wealth and living standards of the society. But actually, compared to communist societies, I would not concede that uh, capitalist countries uh, are superior. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. So your argument is is that. Um Capitalism does improve things, but it doesn't improve things because it's the goal of capitalism. And so we need to find what the core reason of why it's improving things is and try to focus on that core reason. Is that about right? Precisely. All right. So the core reason is evolutionary. I gave that in my opening. The reason capitalism works is the same reason the lottery works or casinos work. People need confidence or a belief that they can win the million dollars to be interested in investing their time into doing something. So the reason this is, again, is it's not, you mentioned at the very end of your opening that this was societal or some kind of social norm. It's not a social norm. This is a biological norm. It's a biological fact due to evolution. So, so how how is it that we have something called human history, but we have more or less the same biology over the span of, let's say, tens of thousands of years? We have different modes of production, but we have the same biology. How can you attribute biology as the cause of capitalism when capitalism has only emerged within the past few centuries, is, has our biology radically altered? Uh, no, capitalism is what all society started as 200,000 years ago. It was essentially, I have steak, have any, I take you. Well done. That's a, that sounds a little absurd to me. Do you have any evidence that capitalism is what we started out with? Yes, it's how trade started. So so I have a product, you want so wait, it, I want your fish. Are you equating capitalism with bartering? Because... Capitalism is a system in which all all forms of economic intercourse revolve around the production of profit. So bartering doesn't actually do that. Right, right. So profit, of- I'm, I'm talking about the profit here thing. So, so the reason yeah. people wanted to attack Tribe B is because they wanted profit. They wanted more land. They wanted more fertile stuff. They wanted more that's animals. They actually, wanted profit. That's not no. The reason people would attack Tribe A or Tribe B isn't just because they wanted more for Moore's own sake, you have to situate it in its historical context. But regardless, even that specific form of profit, which is measured in physical and tangible things, would not be capitalist because capitalist profit is in the form of money. And that's why in capitalism we have generalized commodity production. And it's why Marxists talk about how before capitalism the circuit was commodity, money, and commodity, right? You end with the commodity. No. Money, so capitalism, money capital- is the means to an end to facilitate the accumulation of goods. In capitalism, um, commodities are the means to an end to, to facilitate more profit. No, capitalism is an economic and political system where the means of production and trade is in, owned by private entities. That's all it is. That's all it means. So if you own stuff and you want to that, trade with Tribe B... First of all, first of all there, that is so wrong on multiple accounts. First of all, a it's developed... It's literally the definition. A, a, dictionary. Developed, a developed... I don't care what your dictionary says. Let's analyze history. Developed forms of private property as they've existed specifically in the West 
uh, through the development of feudalism and so on, that was actually more or less unique to the West. That's why Marx and Engels talked about the Asiatic mode of production, which did not have a clear system of private property, right? All property was owned by the sultan or the emperor, more or less. Now, people could use it's a complicated system. But private property only explicitly develops as a legal category in the most advanced form uh, in Europe and in the West, leading to liberal capitalism uh, that we see in the beginning of the 17th through the 19th century. So, so if, you're, if you're just going to disagree with if, the you're, if, you're saying, if you're saying capitalism is just private property, then you're, there's a multiple issues with that. First of all... Um, Private property has had an ambiguous status and existence throughout the duration of civilization. I could grant you that private property maybe in some form has always existed throughout every civilization. Although what exactly – private in the Western sense, I wouldn't say so. But I might concede that to you. But you can't really call that capitalism because – at that point, there is no way for us to make intelligible the, the, the clearly different system that has arisen in the past few centuries from, for example, ancient, you know, Sumeria or, you know, um, the Indus River Valley civilization. It's like, you're going to say that these are all capitalists. And so what changed in the past few hundred years if we've always been capitalist societies? No, no. So the argument I'm making here is... And, and would, you, would you also uh, say that... One second. Oh, I, I do wanna, I, I'm going to have to break it into two-minute or maybe three-minute segments just to be sure that we're getting... No, that's okay. stupid. I hate that. So it's, it's fine. Interrupting is good. But so if you want to disagree with the definition of capitalism that's literally in every economics textbook, that's on you, not not my debate. You can debate all economists on that one. But sure. What, I, what my question was is... I, I will. At, bring, bring the economists. I mean, I'm sure, pretty sure. debate we, we can, so we don't we can, to debate you. We, we can do that later. So I, I just want to ask you, is we, this a new system that we're witnessing for the past few hundred years? Or are you saying this has no, all been the same? It's a new variation on human nature, which has existed hundreds of thousands of years ago. So if we look so, at... So oh, wait, wait, I'm, I'm about to answer. I'm about to answer. So if we look back at early societies, like just hunter-gatherer societies where people made an object and they wanted to trade it to a different object, did they own the object they made? Or was it owned by the city? It was owned in common by the tribe itself. So was that really private? Yes. So, so the, literally property. the individual who made the thing owned the thing and they could use it how they no, wanted to. No, there was no yes. clear, no, there was no individual I'm, I'm, property I'm, rights. I'm sorry. Hunter-gatherer societies had no individual property rights at all. Oh my God! So, so you've you've studied every single hunter-gatherer society from 150,000 years ago. You, in in the main, hunt, in the main, hunter-gatherer societies owned their property in common. Where is your evidence for this? Which which of the hunter-gatherer societies 150,000 years Listen, ago followed this you thing? Can, makes you sense? can make you can make factually contestable claims, and so can I. And when you say, where's your evidence? I'm on my fucking phone. First of all, what do you want me to produce? To you? Like. It's, it's, that's something not, out of my hand. What do you mean? Where's your evidence? I'm you're making a, a factually contestable claim. I'm making a factually contestable claim. So what else, where do you want to go from here? It it was not meant to be taken literally. It's it's I'm making fun of how stupid your claim is by saying that people didn't own their the, own property. The main consensus stuff. is that in most hunter-gatherer societies, things were owned in common. Uh, again, that's so, the consensus no, long after no, and, uh, if you made an object, you could own the object and not give it to somebody. You're not obligated to give it to somebody else if they wanted to use it. You could still you're keep not it. obligated you to give it to somebody, but you don't have any rights. You don't have any legally 
identifiable rights to legally doesn't matter here do you have the spear and if somebody takes it can you stab them yes that's a really primitive and crude way of looking how these societies ownership there were norms there were norms in place that were based on the family and communal structure of the hunter-gatherer society as to what would be done with these products and people by the, the individual subject of the western society did not even exist People did things for their families, for their tribe, and for their, their communal society. No, they did it so for if themselves. If, if you made something to trade, oh you weren't just doing it so you can fucking make a dollar to go get bubblegum at 7-Eleven. You were doing it specifically for your tribe, for your family. To no, that's wrong. So that, that's evolutionarily, we can prove that wrong. Evolutionarily, we know for a fact how the brain works and how evolutionary development has You don't know a yeah, goddamn stop, thing stop, about stop, how the brain stop, works. Stop, don't don't stop, start stop, with this idea. Stop, stop interrupting. All right, stop gentlemen, interrupting. gentlemen, just to hear both of you. We don't even know remember, where a phone Gentlemen, everybody's excited to hear both of you. And so just to hear both of you. We just want to be sure that there's not too much overlap. So, so as I was saying, we know for a fact, every single biologist who's ever studied biology and isn't a dumbass knows for a fact that, yes, selfishness is a very, very part, important part, integral part of people's interactions. Do they there do is no need that, to... Wait, don't interrupt. Don't okay, interrupt. Don't interrupt. We no, know fin- finish your... That, that's the plan. I plan to finish it. Thank you. Thank you, Captain Obvious. We know for a fact, biology, people do things for selfish reasons. There are, in fact, mental conditions that people only do things for selfish reasons. It's called psychopathy and uh, many other kinds of conditions. We know for a fact this is a thing. People do many selfish things. Do they do things for family? Occasionally, yes. The predominant motivation for most people is self-worth, individualism. We know this because if you are dying and your kid is dying in most like chimpanzees and early human societies, you survive. You're wasting time. It's it's a complete wait, wait, waste wait. of time. So, so your ignorance in biology here is not my problem, and this didn't have to do. No, with no, you point. are wait, saying wait, something wait, that's not wait, relevant. Wait, there is no need to wait, consult wait, biology to wait, accept the barefaced fact. I'm getting there. Nothing to do with biology. Shut the fuck I'm up. Shut the fuck up. I'm getting there. Shut your stupid. All right, gentlemen. Just to be sure that we hear both. All right, we have to go to two minute intervals. Could you mute him? Hold on, gentlemen. We do have to go into two minute intervals just to be sure. And I Could know you, you don't like it, so Tom, I can finish. but that's why I like it so much. Okay, set a timer for can, two minutes. And it, it, what we're going to do is, what, when we do these two-minute segments, I just want to be sure that we don't interrupt each other. And even if you think it's the dumbest thing you've ever heard, either side. Uh, but he I had just, two minutes. I know. He stole for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, so well, what we could do is... I've been sitting here listening to him waste my time for well over two minutes, so it's my turn. No, no, I was not finished with my point. I had not gotten two minutes. Yet. I'm gonna, Tom, I'll give like you 30, 30 seconds to wrap up your point, Wait. and then we've uh, then yeah, I'm thirty seconds. Back over. So, as I was saying, we can know the biology, and the reason this is important because the point we were talking about was biologically, people are designed to prefer capitalistic systems. This is the thing that works with biology. It works with our human nature. That's what you asked before. That was the whole point. Yes, we know for a fact. This is biologically driven. Go ahead. Gotcha. Starting from Okay, finally. So for fuck's sake, when I talked about, first of all, there's two facets of this. The first facet, when I talked about how the reason for the system has to fulfill social ends and distill the essence of the reason, I wasn't talking about the causal reason that you're making up and pulling out of your fucking ass and you're saying, oh, the reason for capitalism is biology. 
That wasn't my point. My point was the reason for the system existing was not for social purposes. Now, if you want to say the causal reason for the purpose is something inherent to our biology, that's an entirely separate argument. But if your goal is to ensure the maximal common prosperity, the reason has to be for that. That was my fucking argument. You instead decided to go on a stupid spiel about biology. So I'll say this. Consulting biology and moreover, even more pathetically, psychology, which is even its status as a science is contested regularly. Consulting those things to address social and common and political problems is just about the most stupid fucking thing you can do because our range of knowledge about those things is so insufficient and so limited. You cannot hold transforming or changing a society to the standard of very incomplete, imperfect and um, primitive I would say, sciences, right? But regardless, you don't need to address biology to know that most people are selfish. We just know that people are born as individuals. So obviously they're going to make it their primary focus to attend to their own needs. I'm not saying people do everything for others. I'm saying the reasons why they do things in the first place has a communal rationality. And that doesn't mean they're doing it only for the commune. It means, for example, that fulfilling their own ends, their own selfish ends, is something that is situated in the context of their status in the society and in the the community. So, for instance, when you're talking about people in... Unless you guys want to... We could do do three minutes, but otherwise I've got to... That that was two minutes. Two two, two is good. He's going to bring up way too many points. Yeah, he sounds like a Hegelian with all the gibberish he's saying that has absolutely no bearing on reality. So what he started with was he said that in the beginning, we need to assess the fact that capitalism has a better impact. Capitalism itself isn't the reason. So I addressed what is the reason. The reason is biology. The reason some political systems work and some don't is because they are uh, consistent with our biological drives. If it is inconsistent with our biological drives and motivations, it will fail, which is why a casino a communist casino will not work but a capitalist casino will work even though you're more likely to lose people want the big win so they're because of their biological biases they're going to try and gamble to win if you have a system that is aligned with our biological preconditions it will succeed if you have one that is not it will fail that is the underlying reason why capitalism works secondly the accidental result thing is just an appeal to consequence fallacy or appeal to purpose fallacy. It doesn't make a difference if the result was accidental or not. Science has many accidental results, which happen to be the greatest discoveries of all mankind. The fact that it was accidental is irrelevant. All that matters is, does it work and why it works? Does capitalism work? Yes. Why does it work? It aligns with our biology, as I brought up in the opening. And he said, the most stupid thing you can do is base society on how people act in psychology. That is, any rational human being knows that you have to base it off psychology. That's kind of the point. If you're not basing off psychology, you're just making shit up. Duh. And he said that whenever people in a society do something, they do it because of their status in society. When someone hungry and they steal food or they kill their neighbor or they rape someone, is that because of their status in society? Like, What, what a stupid thing to say. Like, obviously that's wrong. All right, I'll yield on to let him go on whatever gibberish he says. Yeah, my actual point wasn't that the like I didn't have time to explain the relationship between individual motivations and their social reality. But my point is, insofar as production is socially mediated in these hunter-gatherer societies, 
which it is, the reasons why people do things, for example, to feed your family, to feed your uh, community. And that can be a selfish motive because it's going to elevate your own status and it's going to fulfill your own individual status. So that has nothing to do with the question of why do people rape and why do people kill? I didn't say that the all the reasons people do things in every society is for communal or whatever purposes. I was talking specifically about the economic forms of intercourse in hunter-gatherer societies. Now, you're talking about how any rational person would see psychology. Why don't I just spit it out through that psychology is 100% complete stupid bullshit, and if we had no psychologists in our society, there would be no net difference. Second of all, you're talking about how well, the reason for capitalist prosperity being better, something that was never conceded to you in the, to begin with, by the way, is because of biology. Um, that has nothing to do with the point. If it's not because of capitalism, then capitalism can lead to outcomes that are incompatible with the goal. If the reasoning you're giving for capitalism being better is that it fulfills a certain goal, which is common prosperity, that reason is not inherent in capitalism. You, again, do not understand the basic fucking point because you can't use basic logic. Biology and the rest of that shit has nothing to do with it. Talking about it is a waste of time. If the reason you're giving for capitalism being better is that it increases our social outcome, that reason is not inherent in the capitalist system. That's why we have capitalist crisis, mass unemployment, people being laid off their fucking jobs and having their livelihoods destroyed while people are well, – the stock market is still in the fucking green. In time. Go ahead, Tom. All right, so clearly this ignoramus doesn't understand how uh, an appeal to consequence fallacy works. Like the fact that capitalism, whether it has an ingrained purpose of actually making society better, is irrelevant. If it happens to work and it works better objectively, whether or not it was designed to do that is irrelevant. I think it's, I think it's a genetic fallacy appeal to its origin or something. There are many scientific discoveries that were made purely by chance, not because they were designed that way. There was no intentionality in making these things. Penicillin, Viagra, plastic, microwaves, Vaseline, strikeable match, gunpowder, cornflakes, anesthetics. All of these were just by chance, by scientists messing around with stuff as an accident of some other thing they were doing. The fact that it's an accident that capitalism happens to have the most best effects for people's lives doesn't matter at all. It's just an appeal, like probably an appeal to genetic fallacy. I'm going to go with the genetic fallacy. Where he's just saying, oh, well, because its intention wasn't to help people, then it doesn't matter if it happens to help more people, which is clearly batshit. Um, clearly, he doesn't understand basic philosophical argumentation here. Uh, the most, again, saying that the, all of the world would be better with psychology without psychology how dumb do you have to be there's been tons and tons of amazing discoveries in psychology like oliver Sacks, bs ramachandran tons of psychologists made great discoveries that have benefited the world significantly he just seems to be ignorant of basic science um I'm like wow uh, i'll conclude there for now kick it over to you in for yeah i don't really give a shit about your dumb soy reddit fallacy fucking logic lord dumb shit let's get into the meat <laughs> and potatoes of what you actually fucking said so i just find out that you can discover things accidentally all the time fine even if i were to concede that to you that has nothing to do with the point that there is a discontinuity between the reason for why capitalism uh, the, the the procedural reason for capitalism and the outcome 
if you are saying that the outcome is what matters primarily, and that is the reason for its superiority, the fact that that is not inherent to capitalism doesn't mean that I'm saying capitalism didn't produce that outcome, which is wealth and, and a good standard of living. And that's something we have to debate, by the way, because it's not something I even conceded. But granted, even if I did, if that is the reason for why it is better, just use basic logic, then if that is not inherent in capitalism, then there may there will inevitably arise just based on fucking chance itself, just based on chaos and randomness itself, that there will be a disjuncture. You can still accumulate profit for profit's own sake. The stock markets will be in green, but the outcome that you're giving for why capitalism is better won't be produced. That's my point. It has nothing to do with this dumb Reddit, soy, whatever fallacy you're talking about, because that would be an argument that it couldn't have produced that outcome. Well, I'm not saying it can't produce that outcome. I'm just saying it's not essential to what capitalism is. And by the way, you're saying capitalism just works. I can test that. How did capitalism work in 1929? How did it work in 73? How does it work in 2008? Something we still haven't even recovered from. Our economy is not even based on capitalist profits anymore. It's based on quantitative easing and the printing of money and government credit. Just recently, we're seeing an implosion of the global capitalist system as we speak. How the fuck can you say that it's just working? It's simply and patently not. Finally, as regards this question of psychology, psychologists can give us nice insights that are nice to think about, but they have no practical utility and no practical value whatsoever. So yeah. I repeat and I reiterate, if there were no psychologists on earth or in history, there would be no net difference as far as the meat and potatoes of our daily lives is concerned. Time. Tom? Uh, yeah, so the, the dumb soy Reddit fallacy is the fact that he doesn't understand that because something happens to be a side effect doesn't mean it's not the absolute best at that side effect. He seems to think that it must be innate, ingrained into the purpose of the design in order to make it the best at something. No, that's why I listed all of those different scientific things people have discovered. Penicillin is like the best antibacterial ever discovered, and it was never designed to be an antibacterial. The fact that something can happen by chance doesn't mean it's not the absolute best at the thing, because saying that it's, well, it's not ingrained into the purpose doesn't mean it's still not the best thing ever designed ever. It's just basic logic here. Um, yes, capitalism is working. You know how I know that? Because more people are alive and have food and technology than ever before in human history. Capitalism is the dominating thing everywhere. It's a mixed economy, capitalism plus socialism. But capitalism is the thing. Yes, it works. If, if saying it doesn't work is like saying Boeing 747s don't work. Yes, they do. They're flying. It, it right there. It right there. It's doing the thing. You lose. Um, again, like his, his basic ignorance of Basic psychology is absolutely pathetic. There's so much work that's been done in psychology that has a significant impact on our everyday lives, like understanding um, the car crash experiment, how multiple different angles of people looking at car crashes have different conclusions and how bad testimony is and why it isn't accepted in court and how it overthrew a bunch of false convictions because we learned how bad testimony was or how understanding how recognition works in children and how they learn from growing up and how that helps us to better teach them so that they can learn faster and better and uh, how different cognitive dis disabilities that like autism and synesthesia and all these different things, which are learned by psychology to help improve people's lives. Yeah, psychology has had a huge impact. You're just basically ignorant of pretty much everything in science. I will conclude there.
Yeah, science, uh, psychology has absolutely zero impact. All those things you're talking about, court, the courts, the what the courts treat seriously and they don't treat seriously is completely arbitrary, and it always has been. So don't use the fucking court fallacy as an example regarding how to raise children and psychology teaches how to raise children. I, I'm okay better. with. Hold on, pardon my question. I'll, I'll give you the time back. I'm going to pause it, but just for both of you. Uh, in terms of psychology, at some point, hopefully we get hopefully we get back to some of the more direct arguments yeah, yeah, for and yeah. against communism, capitalism. Yeah, I'll just wrap it up with this. Whatever you're talking about is psychology is good at raising children and treating people's uh, desire to be happy. Yeah, but the c- communal societies that have predominated, whether feudalism or even slave societies, whatever you want to call it, before capitalism, all of these traditional societies were far better at traditional villages in the countryside in random third world countries are better at fucking raising children than what psychologists are going to fucking tell you uh, for anything, right? So that's Lindy. That's been tried and tested. It's worked for hundreds and thousands thousands of years even. So yeah, psychologists haven't proven their worth in that regard either. But finally, regarding this thing of like, oh, with the discovery of penicillin, we can find that it acts, it's the best at producing that result. But that is what we are debating about. Capitalism is not essentially the best at producing the result. Maybe it has produced that result. Maybe it hasn't. I'm arguing right now specifically it, it hasn't, and it's failing at doing that. And we'll, we'll get into that debate in a second. But it is not essential to the capitalist system that the living standard, uh, that, the by, that this byproduct will happen. It is essential to the procedure that's replicated afterwards in these accidental scientific discoveries you're talking about it, that they do produce this uh, this outcome. Now, that may not be the reason uh, like for their uh, creation of the procedure, but that has nothing to do with my argument in the first place. I'm not arguing that because capitalism wasn't designed to make people's standard of living better, that uh, this is why it inevitably leads to this contradiction I'm talking about, which you have yes, yet to address even once, by the way, in the form of the various capitalist crises uh, and the current crisis that we're facing. All I was talking about is how it is inessential to capitalism. The burden of proof is upon you to prove that the capitalist uh, type of system we have, which is basically Europe, America, uh, and uh, other countries that are under the fucking tyranny of the IMF and its policies. um, The burden of you is to prove that this is the essentially best way. And you're saying, oh, capitalism Time. works because people are being fed and people are living and surviving. Well, minutes. is capitalism essential to that? Because the capitalist system, the fundamental basis of that financially is collapsing right now as we speak. To the next segment. Go ahead, Tom. Two minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not. Like saying that because there are problems with capitalism, therefore it's not working, is like saying LeBron James missed a few times, therefore he sucks at basketball. Like clearly the fact that it works in most cases and that we see the standard of living increasing for everyone everywhere by a significant margin kind of outweighs the the little weaknesses it has here and there. All the economic crises, like take the one in 2008, what did it do to like world hunger? Not much. We still all got food, still lived. It, It got better. Capitalism works. There was a problem, which happens to every system, and then it overcame that problem, and not millions of people died. What happens in communism? Um, Mass starvation and millions of people die. So capitalism wins on that one. The fact that it has challenges doesn't mean it doesn't work. All systems have challenges. (laughs) Not an actual criticism. Um, (laughs) Next, you said that communism is inevitable. Well, that's 
quite strange since everyone's going away from it at a quite fast rate. It seems more like <laughs> capitalism is inevitable because it, it exists. Again, the, the way to actually do this debate is go make a company, go do it. Go, if you think your political and your economic system will work, go start a company, get off your butt, off your Twitch channel, go start a company. That's what I'm doing. I'm starting a company because I actually understand economics and philosophy and psychology and fallacies and everything that you don't. I actually know how to make this work in practice instead of just talk about it with a beard. I will conclude there. Yeah, the first thing you said was something more or less along the lines of uh, capitalism is continuing to work because it's alleviated so many people out of poverty and it's solving global hunger. The overwhelming majority of poverty alleviation that's attributed to capitalism within the last few decades has come from China. And it's specifically because China is not a capitalist economy, that we see such a rapid alleviation of people from poverty. Now, if you ask Chinese Marxists why in other countries the standard of living seems to be going up, not as nowhere near at the rapid pace as China's growth, but, you know, people are getting a little more access to food and healthier. I know these all these things are debated heavily, so I'll just concede it, um, which is a really big advantage to you that I'm just conceding that because it is something debated. But... The reason for that isn't because of capitalism. It's because the forces of production overall are being developed and generated. But we're seeing a lot of countries reaching an upper limit in being able to develop their own forces of production because the capitalist path isn't cutting it. For you to underplay and downplay the global capitalist crisis that we're now witnessing simply because of uh, this stupid Steven Pinker bullshit idea that, well, everything's been pretty good so far, and that this is like LeBron's success, you underestimate the extent to which all of these processes that ensure people can feed themselves and clothe themselves and so on and so on are dependent on extremely like esoteric financial abstractions like derivatives and securities and the global capitalist financial system, which when – it finally does completely implode, or at least implode to such an extent that it leads to a fundamental political economic crisis, all of those things will suddenly become vulnerable, right? Because the economy is not based on ensuring those type of things in the first place. Now, finally, you say, why don't you just go start? Oh, you mentioned the communist countries linked to a famine and whatever. Listen, in the history of the development of capitalist economies, you take all of the worst famines in the communist states combined, and it is nowhere near the extent to which the emergence of capitalism fundamentally uh, led to the famine, death, genocide, uh, completely eradication of whole peoples in the form of colonialism, slavery, and so on and so on. The famines in India under British colonial rule, the Irish potato famine, all of these type of different things scratching the surface wiped out way more people as a proportion of their population than the communist states. The communist states merely had the burden of not having colonies overseas with which to fucking, um, uh, with which to burden with the inevitable disruptions in the form of the agricultural production that capitalist modernization leads to. So don't give me this shit. I think that, that was time. That's time. We've got to kick it over to Tom. I think that was time. We've got to kick it over to Tom. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently he's using China as his shining example of communism. Yes, we love those camps where they just put anyone who they disagree with and then harvest their organs communism is great love love the chinese communism phenomenal phenomenal example of communism uh yes clearly there are economic crises coming on in the debt crisis which is oh guess what also a thing in china china's in more debt 
congratulations, son. Your own system has the same problem. Um, secondly, most of these can be solved with different kinds of economic policies. The fact that they collapse doesn't necessarily mean that the entire economy is going to collapse. Like the banking collapse, it, it did happen. Many banks went down and the economy dipped, but then it recovered. It wasn't, it wasn't like an entire collapse, unlike what happens in communist countries where everyone dies. Um, so yes, he mentioned the rapid alleviation of poverty. Apparently, he doesn't know how statistics work. If you have the most people in poverty living off a dollar a day, and you increase them to $2 a day, then yes, you've alleviated a significant amount more poverty than people who make $20 an hour. It's going to be harder to alleviate poverty in that country because the standard of living is significantly higher. So yes, China is alleviating poverty because they have the most people in poverty other than like India. So that's an example against your case and why China and communism is crap, not why it's good. All right, back to the argument. Um, he said communism is the best to equip to solve unemployment. Well, then why does China have so many unemployed people? Why does every communist country have so many unemployed people if it's the best to employed? I'm still waiting for him to like start his own company. Like I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm working on it. I've, I've done it. I'm, I'm actually doing these things. Is he, does he have any plans? Can he try this for us? I'd like to point and laugh when his company collapses because it's a crap idea. That would be incredibly interesting. And he mentioned something about systems and contingency is the reason that um, casinos work, not because people want to win, to win money. That is just so stupid. The reason casinos work is because people want to win money. That's that's the point. And then he said something that China does something better than the U.S. I'd like to know what that is. It'd be very interesting. It, harvesting organs. They do that a lot better than America. Prisoning right, so You're basically throwing a bunch of shit at the wall waiting for something to stick. A thousand different things. I'll go one by one. The camps thing, complete bullshit. Organ harvesting, complete bullshit. Falun Gong propaganda. Now you're also <laughs> talking about... China also China also having a lot of debt. Yeah, that doesn't change the fucking fact that when you have things like the Evergrande collapse in China, it doesn't lead to the destruction of the entire economy, and the Chinese government doesn't bail those companies out. It's the free market in practice. Now, you're saying that China only can attribute its success and poverty alleviation to the fact that China was the poorest country in the world. No, it fucking wasn't. India was always poorer than China. It still is. The countries in Africa were always way poorer than China. They still are. The same goes for Latin America and actually most of the world. China's not even a third world country anymore. It's now a, a middle ranking country according to most uh, categories. So no, for you to underplay China's poverty alleviation, why can't India do the same fucking thing? India has such an extreme level of poverty that it would make any it would make the fucking amount of poverty that existed in china pale in comparison it's so bad it was so bad for india in the 20th century that even during the great leap forward famine in china there were more deaths as a proportion of per capita of the population due to malnutrition in india than there was in china during its fucking famine so don't sit here and try to underplay china's success in poverty alleviation finally you're saying things like um I don't remember all the dumb shit you said. You said something about how, what is China doing better than America? I don't know, developing its forces of production, building national infrastructure, poverty alleviation, and ensuing a baseline standard of living, building cities. I mean, what do you want? There's like literally a million different things China's better at doing. Finally, on this question of unemployment, sorry to burst your fucking bubble, but the unemployment rates in communist states have always been lower than in capitalist countries. Not even pro-liberal capitalist economists would deny this. It's a really stupid angle to come with uh, when it comes to that. 
And I don't remember the other shit. Oh, yeah, there's stuff about starting a company. You have yet to address my initial rebuttal to that claim, and... which is that you can create a vacuum-sealed environment with which to test these types of theories. I, I argued this in the very beginning of our debate about how communism and socialism is necessarily national and political in scale. You didn't address the fucking argument, so shut the fuck up Wait, about me. What, what was, what's the argument? Because I did vacuum-sealed something. What's the argument? You're saying that... A communi- communism is just a different form of social organization that you can implement in a vacuum-sealed like environment of a company or a business. That's not what communism is. Simple as that. I don't care if Bosch and all these other type of people are saying it's just workers managing the means of production. According no, I, don't to Bosch, I don't understand every, what you mean here. So- every communist theorist has recognized that communism is political in scale and encompasses the entirety of the economy and not isolated uh, – units or, or businesses it's a really odd argument you're making wait i'm not i'm not understand. so so like if china is a country it, it it supposedly implements communism by your standard so isn't that an isolated system it's not isolated how is it isolated well um, this is why i'm not understanding like can a country adopt communism while other places is don't socialism in one country possible yes of course it's possible okay but the difference is it's not vacuum sealed because China's growth and rise has already fundamentally changed our global economy right now. We just haven't really awakened to it yet. Yeah, China has been the sort China has what kept our global economy chugging after 2008. So you can implement communism in like a country or a business. You can you can do it that way. It'll have impacts on other economies. No, not too. not not the re, the theoretical basis for socialism in one country is about the level of the state. So politics is about states. There's no such thing as a global politics, maybe beyond geopolitics, but we don't have a global state. So yes, communist politics is going to be at the level of the state. So, so it's not a vacuum sealed but that's not a vacuum sealed isolated wait, environment. Wait, wait, wait. So if you owned a company you could treat it as if you were the president and give it the same kind of communist policies you think would be good. Yeah? Well, you couldn't. You couldn't because communism encompasses the whole of a polity. A polity is not just a business top down. It's civil society, the state, um, the organs of the state and civil society in the form of corporates, as Hegel would call it, I guess. It's com- a polity is national in scale or at least even civilizational in scale, if you want to call it that. It encompasses the relation between citizen and state. Unless the company is going to encompass every facet of life politically, and it's actually going to be a political power, a sovereign political power, it's not going to apply. Communism is at the level of sovereign polity. It's not at the level of uh, local businesses. So it seems like you're just basically ignorant of how politics works. Like a country and a business are essentially the same things. The relationship between the the president. Wait, 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 two minutes. I'm still in my two minutes. I'm in my my two minutes. A a country and a business are qualitatively different. I want to give Tom that two minutes as well. I'm in my two minutes. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. So, so you can have a company and you can treat it as if it's a, your own country. You have the country of the company and you can treat it how you want and you have to interact with other companies and other states and whatever. And you're going to have to treat them like they exist, just like China has to treat America like it exists. So you can treat a company just like you could a country. Pretend it's your own little country and treat it that way. It's not very hard. If you do, it'll fail because it's a crap system and you'll learn real quick why it's a crap system. Um, but that's the point here is that you can do nothing by your own admission. You can do nothing except just whine on Twitch about how you want global politics to change. Yeah. 
I can actually do something. I can start a company I'm like, hey, look, here's my economic policy and it works. And I can act as a like someone to inspire others. And they can like, oh, I'm going to start a company and use that old, that political system too, because it works and, and I can do it. But yours is just crap because no one can do it. It requires like global change. Like doesn't, doesn't that give you some indication that your system is kind of bull crap, that it requires an entire global change to implement and you can't do it on an individual level? Why do you think... But if it can be done on an individual level, a system may be more prolific than one that must take global stances. Do you think that might be a bit of a problem for your silly system? No, it's not a problem at all. The only problem here is your deranged LARP fantasies about <laughs> replicating a state and a country at the level of a company. That is 100% LARP. And don't get me wrong, LARPing looks a lot of like it's fun. You probably look like you know a lot about LARPing and stuff. You look like a guy with LARP. But anyway... You're treating it as a LARP. You're doing what those dumb people who try to find islands in the middle of the Mediterranean do, which is, I want to create my own state. Listen, unless you have political sovereignty on bond of violence and a monopoly on violence, those kinds of things, you do not have a state or a country. When you have a cult, which is not even a a country, but so much as a cult that it it claims to have this level of sovereignty, it is such a threat to to the the state to the U.S. federal government even, that it finds excuses like in Waco to go and raid and whatever that shit. That is how important political sovereignty over the the citizens uh, of your country is for a state. So no, a business is not just different from a country in terms of the quantitative scale. It is a qualitatively different thing. Now, it does involve the mobilization and command of bodies um, from a central command. That's not the essence of politics. That's LARP, right? Just how LARPers want to reenact the glorious fights of the Middle Ages on a battlefield where I'm using a sword and I'm wearing the outfit. What's different? What's different is the fact is that your individual experience of something is not the same as the actual material reality of that thing. A country isn't the same as a business. You can't replicate it at an individual scale like how you're saying, because what communism is addressing is our common sociality in the first place. It's addressing the common, something beyond our individuality. That's why communism has always been radically opposed to Western liberal individualism. It's addressing something beyond us, but which at the same time conditions us, right? Uh so what you're saying is, uh, why can't you, isn't it a problem? It's not a fucking problem. It's an issue of politics. Communism for Marx, he called it the riddle of history solved. He said it is the real movement already in motion. All communism more or less means is that the economy is tending toward not only an increased level of socialization, but an increasing conditioning of the purpose and rationality yeah. of the mode of production for the fulfillment of social Time. and common aims of humanity. There you go. All right. So I'm ready to just give closing statement, go to Q&A. I think I've destroyed this guy enough. Um, so just basic facts. It's it's really hard to make a successful political model that can accommodate people's feelings enough to motivate them to participate in the economic game and give them confidence. Most political systems fail. I mean, most people lose confidence and start breaking the rules, such as high rates of theft or crime or whatever else, and the economy becomes unstable. Like, the Bolsheviks making their own economy in Russia, not liking that because they need theirs to work. Like if, if you have a crap economy, like any communist economy is going to lose confidence and people are going to start making their own economies like Hong Kong or Taiwan. They're going to leave because yours is shit. And so in order to make a successful system and by successful, I mean, most people not dying of starvation or crime or poverty, like in China um, and having crappy, poor living standards, like in China, 
Uh, to make a society where people are not dying is very hard. This is why conservatives have a valid point that society we build works. The society we have built works very well and keeps most people alive in good condition by historical standards, all historical standards. And making changes puts that at risk. Most changes will have some negative effect and will fail. Research and development is the most expensive part of any company. Failure is the common thing, not success. So we have to change things slowly. Like, the only way that a communist system could work is if we had AI overlords who governed everything and humans were not in control. Until then, it's a crap system. You have to accommodate humans' fields, and it's not going to work. You got it in, Fred. We'll give you your closing as well. Yeah. So you didn't really understand the point about the casino and the system and the contingency. And the reason is basically this. When you have any given system, when you have any given set of norms and laws and structures, whatever you want to call that, the, what that has originated from can't entirely be accounted by the system itself. So systems will have blind spots in which the contingent chaos of the external and outward reality out of which the system has been born and, and uh, molded from, that will be a source of novelty and innovation. So when you're talking about gambling, you are betting on what you don't know. You're betting on what can't be you can't be certain about. And that's what's going to yield more results because the material source of wealth, for example, in the form of nature, the form of external reality of natural resources and the reality of science and, and technological innovation, we don't know all of those things, right? So we are going to produce more novel results and innovative results and more wealth when we take risks, when we take risks that come at the expense of the systems that are already tried and true. But what we are seeing in today's uh, global economy is rather curious in that regard because we're seeing in capitalist countries stagnating establishments pegged to rentier monopolists who have fundamentally stifled any semblance of a free market stagnating bureaucracies salaried parasites that are living off of um the labor of the majority of the population and producing no wealth in terms the complete uh uh, safe spacing, if you will, of the entirety of the economy. There's no longer any room for large systemic wide risk, right? So you have a very much socialistic in the colloquial bad sense of the term, according to right-wingers, economy that's emerging in the capitalist West and its adjacent countries. Well, in communist China, you have a paradigm of constant and never-ending structural reform. Clamp down on the monopolies and help the little guy. That is a uh, fundamental systemic risk because monopolies have the precedent of working already while the little guy and the promotion of small to mid-tier companies isn't something that you know. You don't know what they're going to do or what. And so all of that has here's room for communities to integrate that dialectic between systems and chaos. So it's completely beyond the point. I don't have time to address uh, the other shit you were saying, but uh, about Taiwan and Hong Kong being isolated systems, which is not fucking true, and betrays a complete lack of any well, understanding of the, the Q&A. Don't worry. I'll leave it at that. You'll have a chance to address some of those because I'm sure a lot of it will come up. But do want to let you know, folks, a couple of things. As we had mentioned, we are 100% pumped that both of these gentlemen, both Tom right up there and Infrared, will be at the Modern Day Debate DebateCon Conference in Dallas in a month. And we are absolutely pumped, my dear friends, that we are doing a crowdfund in order to cover the cost of the speakers' flights as well as the venue and hotel nights for the speakers. And so what we are doing right now is throwing in 
basically the Indiegogo link. We encourage you, help us make this event possible as we are absolutely pumped for it. It's going to be juicy, and I'm throwing that link into the live chat right now. But in the meantime, jumping into the Q&A, thanks for your question. Coming in from Bubblegum Gun says, this is literally average capitalism fan versus communism enjoyer. Is this some sort of slang insult? Uh, he's saying we're both uh, pedants and we don't know enough about what we're talking about. Like he's saying we're not experts on the topic. Uh, thank you, Thomas. <laughs> so sorry. Infrared space. Our next one. And Ann Primblady69 says, T-Jump, does Neo-China arrive from the future? What? Ne does arrive from what? Doesn't even make any sense. Is a does... Neo-China arrive from the future. So to, to arrive from the future would mean you'd have to start in the future and go back in time. The question literally does not make sense. This one coming in. Right at moment. Mango T says, T-Jump, let's be honest, all these economic models came from demonically possessed individuals. The West are filled with demonically possessed people. Yep. I mean, most of them. I actually unironically kind of agree with that. Well, yeah, most most of society is based on um, religion, religious based ideas like Islam and Christianity. So I, I can I can get behind that. This one coming in from Nance says, "Is this the pee hole guy? I would beat Tom Jump on this pee hole. What are you you've been talking about your pee hole on stream, Tom? What's going on here? I don't know what that means. Next up, MB Khan says, "T Jump should stick to debating flat earthers. He's out of his depth here." <clears throat> Next up. S.J. Thomason, a longtime friend of the channel and of T-Jump, says, If I work hard, should I expect to be paid well? Of course, this is the communist problem. And Fred will give you a chance to respond. It has nothing to do with communism. Even in the Soviet Union, which is an example of, a, of an economy doomed to stagnate because of its uh, systemic, um, systemic uh, rigidness and so on, you, you had differentials and compensation based on the extent to which people worked. But I think with the example of China, I just think this is an obsolete argument. Like, it's not an issue at all. You got it. Thank you very much for your question coming in from ASEAN. Says, I do think it's normal of us to want a social contract theory of government to help foster our own desires without fear of others. Sure. Both That's good. what governments do. This one coming in from Ozian as well says, how do you promote a supposedly science-based economic model like communism by denying science? Free markets win again. Again. Yeah. Uh, so when Marx and Marxists use the term science, they were, they were referring to a specific kind of esoteric uh, German sense of the word from German philosophy. As far as this Reddit science, which is really just a form of relig religious uh, exaltation of the current um, network of research papers and institutions and establishments of universities in, in America and, and in Europe, I, I do say, proudly say, fuck science. I am a Lysenkoist. I don't care about scientific consensus. All scientists could fuck my nuts. You know what I mean? So there you go. A Lysenkoist? Really? Really? Juicy. Of course. RT96 says wiki slash category Soviet psychologists fake in all caps. 
What does that mean? He just said he was a Lysenkoist, which is like literally a proven false method of biology. Like nothing has been proven false. <laughs> Mango T says, infrared, do you believe capitalism turns the populace into independent and strong people, whereas communism turns the populace into slaves and dependents? The opposite is true. We see as the result of the capitalist economy an increasingly overly socialized uh, populace of soy drinking, over you know, safe space riddled, politically correct, uh, completely lack of manhood. Uh, you don't have any strong individuals in our, our increasingly uh, capitalist society. Amazon, all this big tech. So do you, where are the strong and independent individuals? We have none. We have city-dwelling snowflakes that are ruling over us and ruling over the American people, moreover, in the United States. This is the result of capitalism, whereas communism... Uh, by attending to our common social needs and, and, and questions does lead to strong and independent individuals. I mean, what do you think is more strong, a Starbucks drinking soy boy in the United States or, for example, a Soviet farmer who's, you know, hunting with a pack of wolves in the forest or some shit? I mean, just really use common sense, you know? Like Xi Jinping, you think he's a manly man? Of course. <clears throat> this one coming in from RT96. Oh, got that one. Mango T says... Infrared, why are communists always angry? Forgive your mother and become a man and start your own business and benefit from capitalism. Amazing. Um, I just want to tell that dude to suck my nuts. Second of all, I'm <laughs> angry because I've been spending five hours today trying to fix my internet. So I'm on my phone right now, actually. Wasn't able to stream today. So yeah, I am angry. They told me the estimated time that they were going to fix it was 8.30 p.m., 30 minutes before the show. Turns out they lied and they pushed back the date. So, yeah, I am angry, but, you know, uh, you're saying, why are communists always so angry and shit? Because you're fucking annoying, dude. Why don't you be, uh, you know, a little bit more pleasant? I'm talking to the chatter specifically. People like you, you be it. more pleasant and uh, you won't give me a reason to be angry. You got it. I, I do want to give credit. I want to give huge credit. No, I'm dead serious. That infrared, seriously, especially while I was badgering him with emails while he was trying to set up. I'm so sorry. He it really do. We appreciate you persevering and being here. So we really do. Seriously, I'm dead serious about that. So Mango T says, oh, that's Mark Reed. Says, infrared, why do you trash psychologists when they help people with mental health issues? Do you think that mentally disturbed people would be better off without psychologists existing? Or without professional help? No, I'm not. I'm not downplaying that therapists help people. Therapists do help people. They help people work through their problems. It's usually by fostering interpersonal relationships. And I'm not saying you won't learn anything from psychology as a therapist. I'm just saying when you try to apply that to a social scale and have like policies that apply to all of us, that's where things get fucked up, right? If you're talking about, you know, getting advice from a, someone who's studying, maybe some things will work, maybe they won't work. I'm not against it. I'm not against that kind of thing. But making policies based on this very, very, like, uh, inconsistent, whatever, like, un it's not an airtight discipline, right? So whenever I see people talk about, like, communism or capitalism, I make references to biology or psychology. It's just especially psychology, it's like it's laughable, right? This psychology is only going to apply it like its utility at an individual or somewhat small interpersonal level. The minute you try to apply it to a scale larger than that, um, you're going to have absurdities and, and stupidity. You got this one coming in from Sphincter of Doom. It says 1929 was due to regulations 
disallowing banks to diversify and the ensuing smooth Hawley tariff. 2008 was due to subsidized risk by government-backed Fannie and Freddie Mae or uh, Freddie Mac, i.e. government distorting signals. Um, 2008, uh, I will give you some. But 1929, you're completely off the mark and wrong about that. But uh, regardless, let me just, even if I were to concede to both of those things, why does capitalism lead to this uh, monopoly kind of ruling socialism for the rich where the economy becomes rigged to protect the monopolies and the, and the ruling class? And why is it that you need communist heavy-handed states to crack down on monopolies and help the little, to help the little guy and foster the free market like we see in China? It's a paradox worth consideration. You got it, and thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from Long Nights YouTube and says T Jump. They actually put Trump. I don't know if that was a uh, Freudian slip and they're typing or what. They say T Jump. Do you think trickle down economics worked? Sort of like trickle down economics works in the fact that technologies are produced and then sold at lower prices and those technologies trickle down the money doesn't so if your goal with trickle down economics is to have income or wealth equality no it doesn't work but mostly the goal of trickle down economics is to get an increased trickle down standard of living which in that sense it has worked so it kind of depends on what your goal is it's definitely not a moral system there's better ways to do it but in a sense it's worked you got it, and thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from Sphincter of Doom says, China's reduction in poverty is due to it becoming less communistic and more capitalistic, opening markets up to competition. Uh, that's just not true. The, 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 the communist Soviet model system that existed in the 20th century wasn't more or less communist. It, was more, it just had more involvement, direct involvement by the state in the economy. That's not really the essence of what communism is. The essence of communism is a state, is a policy, and is an economy that is rigged toward ensuing the common prosperity uh, of the people, which the Chinese system has done actually better than, than it did. I mean, it served different. It was two stages of its existence. The old Soviet-inspired model did what it was meant to do, which was create a national industrial system create a primary basis of the economy. And then beyond that, they did have more allowances for markets and, and, and private exchange and all these kinds of things. But as we can see, this is perfectly compatible with China's unique form of socialism. So it's not that it became more capitalist. It's that it opened itself to the global economy. And it also, um, it also took advantage of the independent form of capital accumulation, primitive capital accumulation that was a result of the Great Leap Forward. This one coming in from Mango T says, Infrared, do you believe the reason capitalism is, quote, failing is because the young generation are brainwashed with the poor communist mindset? No, uh, this is not a communist mindset. It's a mindset that corresponds to the fact that the people controlling our lives and raising our children now, are it's all coming from these stagnant, overly socialized monopolies uh, the big tech companies are a good example. The financial institutions are a good example. The corporations are a good example. And they want to save their position. And so you think it seems like communism to you because our free the free market is being stifled, but it's not. It's a capitalist ruling class trying to protect its power at all costs. Um, it's, it has nothing to do with communism, is what I'd say. 
You got it. This one coming in from, do appreciate it, Mango T says, Infrared, you realize capitalism is in alignment with the laws of nature. The strong have the food and the rest need to find their own food or work. Yes, nature is immoral. I I don't see anything capitalist about that. You can have a communist society where people have to work to get what they need. We have enough wealth so that people, even in a capitalist country, we have enough wealth so people don't have to starve. I mean, if if you you need food, you can get food for free even in America, right? It's a level of starvation. But, you know, I get what you're saying. This level of competition or whatever you're talking about exists in communist states. It exists in China. It's always existed in, and even existed in the Soviet Union. So, yes, the strong uh, will do better than the people who are not strong. And I agree. That's not something communism is going to eliminate. Uh, you have to understand it's not a question of the individual versus the society. We uh, society is controlling us either way. Look at our look at how much we're controlled by big tech and the monopolies. It's a question of is this going to serve the people and the health and well-being of the people, or is it going to serve a tiny minority of elites? So that's the the choice you're faced with. You got it, and this one from Turbo says infrared. By the way have to give you a quick debate challenge from someone after this question but turbo says infrared is taiwan not part of china or are you based taiwan is 100 percent part of china the taiwan is called formally by its own government the republic of china and the minute that you know Taiwan separatism has been suppressed for decades. They recently opened up because of American influence. But if they do try to secede from China and claim that Taiwan is an independent country, China will respond swiftly to that fact. I mean, regardless of whether you like communism or not, both the nationalist government, Republican government in Taiwan and the communist government in China both came to an agreement that we will not separate. We will not cut China in two. These are both China. They just disagree about who should be in charge. You got it. And speak of the devil. Infrared, your brother, Dylan Burns, is interested in a debate with you in person at DebateCon on this very question. Uh, Yeah, well, I'll be there. So, you know. Is he an Andrew? Are you interested? Whoever, whoever, yeah, whoever I have to debate, I'll I'll debate. I'm going to be there. So, you know. I'll debate anyone. Isn't Dylan a communist? I thought he was. Or an handicap? Next up, this one coming in from Speaker of Doom says, Slavery isn't unique to capitalism. The Irish potato famine was exacerbated by government disallowing exports slash imports. Something occurring with capitalism existing does not equal that it's due to capitalism. Okay, well, this is the kind of it's not real capitalism type of thing. And look, I'm kind of sympathetic because I see libertarians as utopian socialists. You guys think, you guys critique the system and you critique people in power. You just don't recognize that the cause and the effect aren't separate. The reason why capitalism leads to this form of state, uh, you know, subsidies and rigging of the and restrictions and all this kind of stuff. Uh, is because it's inherent to the system itself. You can't separate the two, right? Um, but regardless, my point was, I mean, if you're just going to say that all the instances of barbarity and, and, and you know starvation and, and slaughter and genocide 
and famine in the history of capitalism is because of the state and not capitalism, the question stands, Has is there a single example of a country or a civilization that is purely just capitalist and, and has none of the bad uh, socialism that you're attributing it to? I, there's none, because the two are inexorably linked. The state ensures that the ruling class maintains its power, um, and capitalism is inexorably tied to the power of the state and always has been. You got it, Anne. Thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from ASEAN says, I must have missed that one. Sphincter of Doom says, Communism is by definition stateless. It can't be national in scale. Um, the ultimate consequences that the real movement that is communism will have for society uh, is the dissolution of the state and the dissolution of money and all these kinds of things. But that is like the ultimate consequence it will have for society. That doesn't mean communism can't be national uh, in scale. Um, you're just thinking communism is like a, an ideal, to quote Marx, with which society conforms itself to when it's not. So if you're going to say eventually a communist society will lead to the dissolution of a state and will become global in scale, you can that can be entertained, right? That's a prediction. But it, you can't say a, a country is not communist because it still has a state or it still has money or it still has commodities and so on. Because communism is a process, not an end goal. And Marx literally said as much. You got it, Anne. Thank you very much for this question. Coming in from Mark Reed says, come on, T-Jump. Starting a private company to prove communism is like having sex to prove chastity. Or <laughs> says, come on, T-Jump. You can make better arguments than that. Uh, well, since we're in a company that, or in a country that allows you to make private companies, you can make a private company and then make it like a co-op. So you can make it a publicly owned thing. So there are many co-ops in America, like REI co-op, especially in Minnesota. So you don't, it doesn't need to be a privately owned company. You can make it a publicly owned company or a co-op and that's perfectly fine. So it's not, it's a perfectly valid argument there. Next one, Sphincter of Doom says, I got here late, but it appears neither interlocutor understands what capitalism or communism actually is. Ooh, sounds like that's a challenge. I got to tell you, Sphincter of Doom, I'm not affirming his uh, derogatory comment toward you guys and stuff, but I will say that he's a, he's a quality debater. So if you guys would enjoy that, he's talking some real smack. He also says infrared seems to have confused the rise of the welfare state in the 20th century, creating sheep versus capitalism. Uh, there is a reason capitalism has led to this so-called uh, welfare state you're talking about. And the reason is simply because uh, there is no such thing as a pure capitalist uh, free market system. It's a pipe dream and it's a form of utopianism. That's why I say that free market libertarians, to me, are the same as utopian socialists. <laughs> I sympathize with them. Uh, they have the right problem, but not the right solution. You got it, Juicy. And thank you very much for this one coming in from S.J. Thomason says, Infrared, are the Chinese people happy about the concentration camp for the Uyghurs? Uh, listen, if you want to keep repeating CIA narratives unquestioningly without doing any research or studying the problem, I don't know. What, I don't know how much I can do for you within the allotted time span to dispel this uh, myth. I recommend you educate yourself on the so-called uh, camps and the, the so-called Uyghur genocide, which I don't even think the mainstream media is, is really admitting, saying exists anymore. Right? Um, the AP Press recently released an article that conveniently is talking about how, wow, 
it seems like in Xinjiang that the genocide's over and they're relaxing all control and you're seeing people on the streets because they can't maintain this narrative they've been trying to peddle for the past few years and it's completely collapsed. So this is the wrong time to, to bring that shit up. But I, I wanted to mention, you know, on the question of are the Chinese people happy with their system and with their government? Yes. I mean, compared to the United States or even any European country, Chinese satisfaction with their system and the party and their government just blows all the capitalist countries out of the water. You got it, Dan. Thank you very much for your question. Sphincter of Doom strikes back, says government interference isn't capitalism. Capitalism is inexorably tied to government interference. There has never been a capitalist society that did not involve government interference. So it's the myth of a pure capitalist economy. It's never existed anywhere on earth at any time. You got it. And this one coming in from SJ Thomason. Oh, we got that one. And Mango T says, Infrared, you were right. Capitalism is great at the beginning, but the end result will always be a handful of wealthy controlling everything. I guess they agree with you. Tom, what are your thoughts? It starts that way. That's not how it ends. Um, it's, al- it's always been that way. There's always a distribution in wealth and the super rich and the super poor because biology. That's, it's always Some people always have more resources than other people, and they use those resources to gain more resources. That's why evolution is a thing. This one coming in from S.J. Thomason says, why is the world ignoring the atrocities of the Uyghurs going on now in concentration camps? The world isn't ignoring it. It's just that the West is trying to make some shit up and no one else is buying it because they have no reason to buy into it. I mean, all the Islamic countries visited Xinjiang and they didn't see anything. Many countries have been invited. Europe has been invited. America has been invited. They don't want to come, right? So the, it's not that the world's ignoring it. It's just that it's not happening. I recommend you actually talk to people living in China or people living in Xinjiang to get a balanced and fair perspective about the situation there. You got it. And thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from, do appreciate it, Ryan Lyons says, Infrared, why don't you live in China if it is that much better? Uh, To me, the idea of choosing what country you live in based on preferences is like choosing your mother based on your preferences. You don't choose your mother. You don't choose your parents. In the same way, you don't choose your homeland. You don't choose the soil that you were born into, that you were raised into. And I am an American. I was born in America. And this is my country. I am of no use to the Chinese. I am of no use to Russians or, or Cubans or any other type of people. I am an American. Um, Even if I think China's system is better, that doesn't mean I don't want what's best for my own country. Um, I am an American, you know, so it's a meaning. It's a stupid question. This one coming in from Sphincter of Doom says saying capitalism is inexorably linked to government interference doesn't mean they're interchangeable or that every element of one can be attributed to the other as well. Well, for you to try and isolate capitalism as its own essence, separate from that, I just question, where does that exist? Everywhere we see that what we call capitalism exists, 
it is tied to the state interference in the government. So I have yet to be confronted with an example of capitalism that is not inexorably tied to state interference. You got Before it. there were any governments would be the answer to that. It's when guy with biggest... Well, I forgot. Capitalism is when people were trading beads and, and stuff, right? Yes, because when you have pure capitalism, it's just guy so with biggest dick that's, wins. That's the most dumb shit I've ever heard in my life, but continue. Yeah, you Next make shit and you trade it. Do appreciate all of your questions, folks. And want to remind you, our guests are linked in the description. So if you want to hear more from T-Jump, if you want to hear more from Infrared, you can find their links in the description box right now. What are you waiting for? And that includes if you're listening via the podcast, you can find both Tom's and and Infrared's links in the description box at the podcast. We highly encourage you, check them out. You can hear more capitalism, communism type debates at their channels. We really do appreciate these guys. And so thanks, T-Jump and Infrared. It has been a true pleasure to have you. Thanks, James, for hosting. It's appreciated. Thank you, Haas, for joining. Appreciate the opportunity. And I do have a question. Have you seen China Uncensored, the YouTube channel? Yeah, it's a misinformation uh, YouTube channel that's been debunked many times. You got it. But we want to say I'll be back in just a moment, folks, to give you updates about this upcoming epic conference, Modern Day Debate's first ever debate con in Dallas, Texas in January. You don't want to miss it, folks. Tickets are going to be on sale soon. More info about that as we are pumped that both T-Jump and Infrared have agreed to join us for that conference for some juicy live debates in person. And with that, thanks so much, everybody. We will be back in just a moment, or I'll be back in just a moment with updates on that, so stick around. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.